So a couple of weeks ago, when I came back from Washington, D.C., uh, dear friends of mine, uh, Victor and Martha Villalva, they're sitting over here, called me on Sunday morning and said, are you at church already? And I said, yes, I'm here. Have you eaten? No. Don't eat. We're going to bring you breakfast. And so they brought me breakfast. I was thinking a taco, a muffin. But they brought me uh, this breakfast from, from Cracker Barrel. You know where I'm going with this, right? I'm glad I wasn't preaching on that Sunday. Because I had to roll out of my office to get down here. But in the breakfast packet came two bottles of this maple syrup. Just like this. And the reason I brought it down and the reason I wanted to share this story is that I've left this bottle on my desk. And somebody was walking down the hallway in front of my office the other day and this is what happened. Because if you take a quick look at it and you don't see the, 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 that it's maple syrup, you might get a different idea, right? You see that and you said, oh Lord, we've driven him to drink. <laughs> Trust me, you haven't driven me to drink yet, yet. But I wanted to share this with you because this is a reminder for me, and I leave it on the desk, and if you see it there, know that it's maple syrup, okay? It's a reminder of the sweetness and the blessing that is Christian love when we care and, and think about one another. It's sweetness. It's a blessing. Will you pray with me? We thank you, O oh God, for this day that you have given and for the opportunity to be in this space, this consecrated space. I pray, O oh God, that, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be pleasing unto you. We thank you, O oh God, for the blessings you bestow. In the name of the one we call Christ our King, amen. So I mentioned during the announcements, today is Trinity Sunday. That's the Sunday that we come together in the Christian faith, and it's on the Christian calendar, to consider and to think about our triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, throughout the ages, throughout Christian history, scholars, theologians, preachers, teachers have tried to explain the Trinity. And all the metaphors, all the examples, everything that we can imagine, that we can think of to explain our triune God falls short. So I'm not going to even attempt to explain to you what it means to serve a triune God. It's one of those things that we call a mystery of the faith. And I've shared with some classes that, that I'm creating a list. I used to write it down. 
And I, I would write it down and I'd say, these are the questions I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. But I've moved so many times, I lost the list. And so now it's a list that I'm writing upon my heart. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, explain to me the Trinity. I understand it's three distinct persons, one God. Explain to me how that works. Now the reality is, is when I get to heaven, when I'm in the presence of God and his Shekinah glory is shining and radiating over me and over you, I don't think these are going to be the questions we ask. We're going to know, right? God's just going to reveal everything to us. But in the meantime, we have these questions. Early in my ministry, I was appointed to a three-point charge. Now, for those of you that aren't United Methodists or don't have long history in United Methodism, that means I was sent on a circuit, and I actually pastored three churches at the same time. They were all small churches. And I learned at that point that churches have a distinct identity, personality, character, and understanding of who God is. Didn't realize that growing up. Thought all churches were exactly the like. And so I get to Kingsville, Texas. And at my first church that I would go to on Sunday morning at 8.30 in the morning, it was a Spanish-speaking congregation called El Redentor, the Redeemer. And what I learned was they had placed a heavy emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Everything was about the Spirit. And then I would leave that service, and by 9.45 to get ready for a 10 o'clock service, I, would as a, I was at a bilingual church called El Buen Pastor, the Good Shepherd. And what I learned in that setting was they placed a lot of emphasis on Jesus. The person of Jesus and the salvation that we find in Jesus. And then that service would finish at, at 11 o'clock. And at, by 11.15, I was two miles down the road at Christ United Methodist Church, an English-speaking congregation. And I learned that the character and the identity of that congregation was wrapped up in the sovereignty and the power and the mightiness and the gloriousness of God the Father. And so every Sunday, I spent time with the Holy Spirit, I spent time with Jesus, and I spent time with God the Father. And it got so confusing that there were Sundays that I would go to the first service and begin in English when I should be getting in Spanish. Get to the last service and begin in Spanish when I should be getting in English. They were experiencing Pentecost all the time. What's he saying? Thankfully, in the middle service, it was bilingual, so it didn't matter what I started in. But, but Paul does something really interesting for us in this passage in Romans, Romans chapter 8. He does something really interesting and really important. He introduces to us or exposes us to the triune God. Because in this short passage, 
we talk about being led by the Spirit. We talk about being children of God. And we talk about being heirs and co-heirs with Christ. If we will join in his suffering to experience his glory. Now, join in his suffering, we, we kind of gloss over that one, right? We're ready to be heirs and co-heirs with Christ. And we're ready to experience his glory. But the scripture says we'll also join with him in his suffering. That doesn't preach too well nowadays. But what Paul does, and what Paul is attempting to do for the churches in Rome, and, and, and understand, he is writing to a number of house churches who are struggling, who are having issues, who are competing against each other for believers, for converts. And so Paul is writing to give them hope, to encourage them, to tell them that the triune God loves them. And that the triune God will lead them by his spirit. That when you choose to follow Jesus, when you choose Jesus, you don't just get Jesus. You get God the Father and the Holy Spirit as well. And Paul does a wonderful thing in Acts, in Romans chapter 8. He begins that chapter by reminding them and reminding us. Now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And he writes that because here was a church that was facing condemnation on the left and on the right at all times. Who were truly suffering because of Christ. And Paul is letting them know there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And for that I say amen. Glory to God that when we accept Jesus, we're freed from condemnation. We're freed from the effects of sin and death. And we're freed to be children, to be heirs of God. And when that happens, God doesn't say, now you're on your own. I hope you can figure out how to get here. God says, I'm going to lead you by my spirit. I want to lead you by my spirit. This past Monday, May 24th, do you know what day in history May 24th was? 
Let me bring that in a little closer. Do you know what day in Methodism May 24th represents? That was the 283rd anniversary of John Wesley's Aldersgate experience. Listen to what Wesley says in his journal. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ. Seekers, you talked about faith in Christ. Wesley's addressing that. I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Now understand, up to this point, Wesley struggled with that idea, with that concept. And he had been an Anglican priest for many years and was working on on holiness and piety, but still couldn't find that assurance until May 24th, 1738. When When it was like the light went on, and he then had his heart strangely warmed, and he had that assurance through Christ alone. In faith, he was saved. But I find it interesting that he writes, I went very unwillingly. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But how many of you are here today because somebody brought you and you were very unwilling? Here's the point. It it applied to Wesley and it applies to us today. There is no such thing as chance or circumstance or coincidence when it comes to the things of God. God is at work and God is leading us by his spirit even now. And even if you came unwillingly, even if it was your spouse that said, now honey, we're going to church today. And you're like... Or it was your parent, or it was a friend. It's not by chance, circumstance, or coincidence that you find yourself here. But by the Spirit of God leading and guiding. Now, the question is will we respond? Will we understand? what the Spirit of God is trying to do, is calling us to do. I'll be the first to admit, I grew up in church, and sometimes the last place I wanted to be was church. 
Heck, as a pastor, I felt that way. <laughs> and my wife was like, honey, you need to get up. You're the pastor. Go. Like to reach, oh, that's uh, maple syrup. God is calling each one of us. God is leading each one of us to say that in Christ Jesus there's no more condemnation. And we can be led by the Spirit and be known as children of God. Now the question comes, where does the Spirit of God lead us? How does the Spirit of God lead us? And Jesus made that very clear. The Spirit leads us. He he sums it up in, in the law of love, right? The Spirit leads us to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we're striving to love God and love others, then we know that we're being led by the Spirit of God. And so this morning, this Trinity Sunday, I know I didn't give you any new revelation about the meaning of the triune God uh, because I can't, I'm not equipped to do that. But I hope you'll receive this message. God loves you. Paul understood that even before the Gospels were written. Last week, I believe it was, the the Gospel reading came from John chapter 3, right? On Nicodemus and what it means to be born again. Paul understands, if you look at the context, the Gospels haven't been written yet. So Paul's not relying on the Gospel reading He's relying on the oral tradition, the oral teachings. And Paul knows that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save it. And so Paul is writing this letter to the churches, the house churches in Rome, to tell them God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to be your Savior. And there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who are led by the Spirit, and for those who are children of God. Don't leave that to chance, circumstance, or coincidence. Listen. Listen. Listen to the prodding and leading of the Spirit. Let's pray. We thank you, O God, King of the universe, creator of all, for your Son, Jesus, in whom we live and breathe and have our being. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit who leads and guides us even to this day. We praise you, O God. And we call you Abba, Father.
In Jesus' name, amen.